0: Michigan is a state known for many things. Whether it's the Dog Man, or some of those crazy monsters lurking in them lakes, there's no shortage of surprises over in Michigan. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Michigan horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Stories like yours help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true Michigan horror stories. So these are four experiences I've had all growing up in a small town in Western Michigan, from the age of six to 18, when I finally left the state. I will put them together in order in the way they happened. When I was six during the summer, I would always wake up before my mom and walk to our living room and look out our sliding glass door for deer. My parents owned about seven acres and almost all of it was open field. This morning though, I walked up to the slider and looked out, and the only way I can describe what I saw was that this thing was a big headed black dog just staring back at me from about 100 yards away. It looked like it was just staring me in the eyes, like it knew I had just walked up to the sliding door. It was leaning on a low hanging branch, and it didn't seem right. The head was insanely large. Most of my family owned large dogs, so I knew it just didn't seem right. It seemed more like a dog rather than a bear though. I sprinted back to my room and waited until my mom woke up, but I never said anything. The second weird thing I saw was of course another morning I woke up in early November. I was around 10 years old this time, looking for deer. This time I saw something running along the wood line, about 100 yards away. It was about the height of a Great Dane, and silver and grey in color. Not multicolor, just one flat color. It was huge. And it had a head that appeared to be like a wolf but its fur was short and not very shaggy which was weird because it's november in michigan and everything has a winter coat at this point it was just trotting along the wood line stop and marking a spot and kept on going and repeating this i could not believe how tall it was and how quickly it just moved along the third encounter was when i was 13 and i just got into trapping I was setting a trap up one night hoping to catch a coyote. All of a sudden, I hear this bone-snapping sound coming from the woods. I then realized there are no birds making any sounds at all, and all the insects have gone quiet. I know it's unwise to run if you think there's a predator around, but I wasn't sticking around to see what was making that noise. I went out the next day with my 30-30 and retrieved my trapping gear. Surprisingly, nothing was touched not even the bait. This final story is the one that scared me the most, though. I was 17 years old, and it was a summer evening. We would leave our sliding glass door open and just had our screen door shut. This was to let the cool breeze into the house. We had a black lab that would just lay by the screen door and smell all the scents from outside. She did this every night. But on this night, she started to growl, and her hackles came up and she slowly walked away from the door. So I walked over to this green door to look into the woods. This was about a little over a hundred yards away. I could hear something heavy moving through the woods. I always kept a flashlight near the door because I would like to shine and see how many deer would walk through the field at night. No, I never poached a deer or shot at them or anything like that. I just like to see how many there were. So while I shine the light, I saw a set of eyes pop up in this clearing in the woods. The light wasn't that bright, so I wasn't able to pick up anything much of the body or what it really looked like, but when I saw the eyes, they weren't like a deer's. They were whitish in color, and they had like this bluish red tint to it, and they were wider apart than any other normal deer's eyes would be. Now I couldn't tell you the exact distance this thing was, because the clearing was probably 75 yards long and 40 yards wide and about 100 yards away from where I was even at. But the eyes were unusually far apart. It wasn't blinking and it just stared at me with this blank, almost demonic stare. Writing this now, it still gives me chills. So after staring for a minute, I decided to make a deer snort sound to see if it would turn its head. No dice. I made the noise three times very loud. It just stared, not blinking at all. So I decided I would stomp on the wooden deck. I stomped twice so loud that it woke my brother up and my mom came out and asked me what I was doing. The whole time it just stared back at me and never blinked a single time. I decided then that I was going to go back inside and lock the door. Ever since then, I've had no clue what it was, but I guess I really never wanted to go find out either. Opening day of deer season in northern Michigan is viewed more as a holiday than just another outdoor activity. People from all over the state come in droves filling all the campgrounds, hotels, and bars the night before. I never understood that, mixing alcohol and deer rifles. Most of these people don't care if they even see a deer. They take this time to escape their everyday life and just relax, although some are too hungover to even get up the next morning to trek through the woods to their hunting spot. Our family is fortunate. We have resided in the small town of Grayling, Michigan since the early 1930s. We have a couple hundred acres of land that is used primarily for farming and hunting. There are white tail mounts displayed in all of our homes that can attest to how fruitful our land is. We used to get together the night before opening day and partake in several intense poker games. Additionally. We would take this time to do some last minute strategizing and go over our gear by doing a mental checklist. Our opening day gathering spot was held at our family cabin that is set deep in the woods on our property. To get to this location, you would have to go on a four-wheeler and drive via a trail that's very hard to hike up. If you were to drive up this trail in a truck and weren't to be holding on tightly, you would bang your head on the roof. Concussions aside, it is a very beautiful location. The cabin consists of one bathroom and two bedrooms, with a pair of bunk beds in each, and a pool out couch in the living room. The main living area is an open concept space with the living room, kitchen, and dining room all connected. Signal is non existent at the cabin, so there is a vast collection of magazines, books, and VHS tapes for an ancient TV with a built in slot that I don't think has been used in over a decade. However, The magazines have a thick layer of dust on them since the camaraderie at the cabin leaves little to no time for boredom. Unfortunately, this was not the case a couple years back. As the years went by, fewer and fewer hunters made the trip to the family cabin. The cabin, as I wish to remember it, was once a place full of family, friends, and great memories, but is now tarnished by a sickening nightmare. The weather that night was frigid cold, and upon my arrival to the cabin, I immediately started a fire in the wood stove. This would prove to do very little to take the edge off. Snow fell around the cabin, creating a thick layer of fluff that muffled any sound creating an eerie quietness. I remember standing over the fire cooking a can of soup that sat upon the stove. Next to it, a pot of water was boiling to make a cup of hot chocolate. I knew it was going to be here for only one night, but I remember feeling especially lonely. This was because for the first time in a long time, I was the only person staying at the cabin that November night. My family all had something else going on. My dad had started a new job that had him working the next morning, although he didn't mind because it was a great step up from his previous job. My uncle and cousin were going to hunt at a different location that was about an hour away, which meant they would have to get up around 3am to make the drive to their hunting blind. I didn't blame them for wanting to sleep a little longer, So, there I was with my tin can meal, walking over to break the VHS's loose. When I looked outside and saw something standing outside the front window looking in at me, I nearly flipped backwards trying to get away while bumping into the dining table. I refocused all my attention on the front window, but there was nothing. I could have sworn I saw a dark figure standing outside. I chalked it up to the snow falling a certain way. And possibly a small case of cabin fever. I turned on every light in the cabin, not wanting to see outside any longer, and risk being fooled again by my overactive imagination. I was a third of the way through the movie I was watching, with an empty can of soup and a half-drank cup of hot chocolate in front of me on the carved wooden coffee table. Sprawled out on the dining room, table, and chairs hung my hunting clothes and other gear, I had cleaned my rifle earlier in the night and leaned it in the corner of the room by the head of the couch just a couple of feet away from where I was sitting. The movie had ended and I had laid there staring up at the ceiling when a wave of horrific emotions came over me. I was being watched. I was scanning the windows trying to figure out where the hollowed stare was coming from when I saw it. Across the living room, my great-grandfather's prized deer mount hung just above the entertainment center. And was supposed to be facing the back of the cabin, but was looking right at me. I started to scream as its neck made a series of popping noises that sounded like bones and flesh tearing from their joints. The monstrosity began to look me up and down. Another loud pop erupted from the room as the animal's lower jaw fell to the floor, creating a loud thud and sending teeth flying all over the wooden floor. When I thought my screams couldn't get louder, I jolted up from the couch, covered in sweat. It had all been a dream. I sat there with my heart beating through my chest. I looked over at the clock on the microwave to see what time it was. It was three o'clock in the morning. The deer mount across the room was looking in its proper direction, but I did not care to stare for more than a couple of seconds to ease my worries. I stood up, feeling like I was being watched still, which was to be expected after a nightmare as hellish as that. The fire in the stove had burned down to just a glow, so I got it roaring to flames again. I went over to the sink to fill the pot full of water to prepare coffee for my morning hunt that would begin in a couple of hours. Halfway filling the pot, I heard a sound that made my heart skip a beat. The floorboard behind me creaked, and with it came the vibration of a footstep. I was frozen where I stood. I didn't know whether to turn around and look or try to do a spin move to get away from whatever was behind me. I worked up the courage and slowly turned around. There was nothing there. At this point, I was thoroughly spooked. No, in fact, I was straight up terrified. Between the figure outside that I had tried to convince myself wasn't real, the horrifying nightmare, and now the sensation of someone standing right behind me, I knew I wanted to leave. I told myself that there was only a few more hours until I would make the journey to my dear blind, and an hour or so after that would bring the security of daylight. Then it hit me, a thought that had not crossed my mind. I was supposed to leave the cabin and walk through the darkness of the forest. This sent shivers down my spine. I knew I would have my rifle with me for protection, but this still didn't put my mind at ease. What I was dealing with didn't feel natural. I sat back down on the couch and began to think about how I wanted the morning to go. I determined that I would walk to my blind around 530 to get there before daylight came. I would have normally left sooner, but this would have allowed much less time sitting in the dark. I had somehow managed to doze off sitting up on the couch but was awoken by a pounding on the cabin door. This erupted a fear through me, like I had never experienced before. I stood there staring at the door, waiting for another dreadful knock. Instead, my dad's deep voice came booming from the opposite side of the door. He sounded concerned, so I rushed to the door to see what had brought him all the way out here so early in the morning. I went to the door, but immediately stopped. This made no sense. The door was unlocked. My dad might have given a courtesy knock, but why wouldn't he just let himself in? I knew I had fallen asleep but I believed I would have heard his diesel truck pull up to the cabin. I took another step back, and something in the corner of my eye, to the right of the cabin door, hung a mirror that reflected most of the living room in the kitchen area. What had caught my attention was that I saw the slight reflection of a figure that was crouched behind me in the middle of the room, ready to pounce. The sight of this thing made me want to puke. It It was a deer that had flesh hanging from its body. The antlers on it jutted out in several different directions. It was covered in an infectious, decaying skin. The pungent smell hit me like a ton of bricks and made me gag. A familiar sound echoed in the cabin. It was the popping noise I had heard from my dream that had come from that deer mount. This creature thrust its body backwards causing it to now stand on its hind legs. I had to get out of there and quick. The keys to my vehicle hung in the mirror on an antler that we had screwed into the wall as a key rack. I grabbed them, flung the door open, and ran as fast as I could to my car. I could hear the clanging of hooves chasing me behind. I must have hit the unlock button on my key fob ten times before reaching my truck, even though it was only a few yards from the cabin. I jumped in and floored it out of there in record time, not daring to look back. I've never returned to the cabin. The land that cabin sits on is currently pending sale with a couple of guys from downstate trying to buy. I hope it doesn't go through. The only advice I have for you is if you come across an abandoned cabin in North Central Michigan, do not approach it. In fact, get out of those woods as fast as possible. Hey, swamp Dweller. To give you some backstory, I moved from Port Huron, Michigan to a small, quiet town in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan back in June, but I have been coming up here since I was a baby and have seen some unexplainable things in the woods, but that's for another time. Anyway, this happened two days ago. My friends were visiting their grandparents for a week, and the day before they left, they invited me and my brother over to hang out one last time, so we went over. Their grandparents own 30 acres of land, and has some toys that we can ride on the trails. One is a side-by-side, and the other is a four-wheeler. So a group of us piled up on the side-by-side, and two went on the four-wheeler. They were ahead of us by a little bit, so I figured I'd try to scare them by taking another trail and pulling out in front of them. But we waited in the same spot for about five minutes, waiting for them to pass us. But they never did. So I drove us back up to the house, and they were waiting for us visibly shaking, so me, being the kind of guy I am, asked what was wrong or what they saw. They said they saw a side-by-side following them, but it was all dark and they couldn't make out any figures in it. Mind you, at the time, there were five people on the side-by-side. So, I had them take us back to the spot that they saw this thing. I'm an avid hunter and fisher, so I can track relatively well, and I know what tracks belong to what. As soon as we pulled up, I noticed a completely different set of tire tracks that didn't belong to any of our grandparents' vehicles, so I followed them for a while, but they just seemingly disappeared. So again, we went back up to the house, and that's when things really got weird. One of our friends decided she was going to take a walk into the woods alone. I said, you know that's not a good idea, there was a pack of wolves spotted about a half mile out of town yesterday. She said, I know, and with that walked off. I decided to follow her along with a group of our friends. As we rounded the first corner, she was gone. I mean, like gone, disappeared into thin air gone. I followed her footprints, but they stopped abruptly, and that's when I got nervous. I've been listening to your channel for a long time, maybe over a year now, and I know not to go alone into the woods. So I went back to the group in the trail, and as we turned the other way, there she was, standing right there. Scared the hell out of us all. Then she said a name we will never forget. She said the name Francis. Apparently, somebody with that name lived in this house a long time ago and killed themselves in that exact area we were hanging out in. I truly don't know what happened that day, but I do like to think that maybe the energy in that area had something to do with it. This is a true story that happened to me in October of 2013 in Brighton, Michigan. Ironically, this happened the night before Halloween, Devil's Eve. I was 13 at the time in middle school. It was a late evening, about 9pm, and it was just about completely dark out, but it was a full moon that night. I live on a dirt road that sits right on a golf course, in which the country club and course was closed that night. Never in my life before have I had an experience like this never anything quite this supernatural at least, and this still gives me chills even to type up. My sister, myself, and my grandma were all home while my parents were out for the evening. I was sitting watching TV in the living room, when suddenly my dog began growling in a very evil way. It was a growl I've never heard her make before, and it drew my attention instantly. She was staring out the window sitting in the living room windowsill. When I walked up to the window to look outside to see what she was growling at, I saw it immediately. In the dirt road, there was three neon green illuminated balls about the size of softballs. They were hovering midair and moving slightly up and down. At first, I figured it was the neighbors going for a walk, and they had a glow of some sort, but it was hard to tell what the color was because they almost looked like they were interchanging. I couldn't see any bodies around these illuminated balls. At this point, my concern grew even more. After watching them hover in mid-air for a few minutes, they moved forward up the road a bit more, but they were completely still, directly in the middle of the road in front of my house. Suddenly, as I'm watching these glowing balls, all three of them hovered to the tree line in a perfect line, then out of nowhere. All of these balls shoot up into the sky on a perfect 75-degree angle. After the first one shot up into the sky, the second one did, and the third one followed suit, one right after another. The way these balls shot up into the air was exactly as if they were in a completely straight vacuum tube. They didn't wobble or anything whatsoever. While they shot into the sky, it was like they were sucked into the sky, and they shot up very fast. I was completely blown away and didn't even know what to think. It wasn't even possible that it was caused by anything natural. I could see most of everything, because everything was lit up from the moon, since it was a full moon like I mentioned. I was able to see exactly where these glowing balls were hovering, but there was no human in sight. All my neighbors were inside for the night, and as I said, the country club was closed. There were no cars, and nothing was around. I immediately ran to grab my sister, and told her everything that had just happened, and we went to turn every light on in the house so whatever it was, couldn't see inside. We began watching for about 10 or 15 minutes when out of nowhere the three balls came flying out of the sky all at once. After they landed, the three glowing balls began hovering. They were about 10 to 13 feet in the air. They were directly above the fairway on the golf course at this point, and the fairway had been lit up completely by the moonlight. When I see these things hovering that high up in the air, and not one person around out there, my stomach sank to the floor. As they were hovering around, they were almost completely still. My sister and I were watching very intently. They slowly began to move closer to our house, slowly hovering over the road, but they never entered our property line, and once again, they formed a straight line together, and one by one, shot up into the sky. And after that, we never did see them again, My sister and I did some research to find a lot of very similar encounters across the country and very much believed that it was a UFO or some sort of alien related phenomenon, supernatural without a doubt. These glowing balls just didn't come flying out of nowhere and then shoot up into the sky on a perfect angle. To this day, we are still unsure of what what this was, but I don't think I ever really will find the true meaning of what happened. All I know is that I wanted to send this into your show to see if anybody else has had a similar encounter. Thank you for reading and I really enjoy your videos. This story happened when I was six or seven, so in 1996 or 1997. My family lived out in rural Michigan and every October, They would throw a big party called the Hayride. My friends and family would all come over. There'd be a bonfire, hayride, food, music, basically a big country party with a hundred people or so. The Hayrides were one of the few times that I could stay up super late. After one Hayride, I was in the second story of the house getting ready for bed. I remember hearing a loud noise outside, so I went to the window. It was completely dark out at the time. It was probably around 10.30 or 11pm. I heard my parents walking outside and talking very loudly, so I wasn't too concerned at first. About a football field length down the road, there was a sharp 90-degree turn. I started to see a glow coming from that area. My parents saw it too and were obviously alarmed. I heard my mom come inside and I went to her to find out what was going on. She sent me to bed. Years later, I found out what really happened. My parents had been cleaning up from the hayride going back and forth between the house and the barn. They heard a car crash at the sharp turn in the road, which didn't happen too often, but maybe once or twice every couple of years or so, they would have some wrecks over there. They left the barn, and my mom was going to the house to call 911, and my dad was going to check to make sure the people were okay. By the time they got to the house, they realized the car had flipped over and caught fire. They heard people laughing and yelling, and then one of them said there was a house up ahead, and that they should go there. My mom said that this was the creepiest thing that they had ever heard—the laughing and how the distance distorted the voices. My dad loudly yelled for my mom to get the rifle and call 911. They had to have heard him, but they kept walking. Shortly after my mom got to my dad with the gun, another car came screeching around the corner towards the people who were walking. They all got in the car, which took off the way it had come, not passing by our house. The fire department eventually came out and put the fire out, which thankfully hadn't spread too far. We live in a small rural community in the middle of nowhere, Michigan. There's not a lot of strangers around here. It should have been easy to learn who those people were, but we never did. We never found out who crashed the car or who picked them up. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Michigan horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the show. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or another platform, please be sure to give this a five-star rating over there as it helps the show grow. If you're new to The Swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day and All Things Natural and Supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but you still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and perhaps giving us a 5-star rating on iTunes, maybe check out the merch store. We've got T-shirts face mask, hoodies, and much more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. It's always so hard to pick one. Be sure to join me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.